It's both your duty and your privilege to give God glory for His blessings. He wants you to express your gratitude for what He's done for you. But think about this. When you fail to give God glory, you are, in a way, identifying with those who reject God. They, too, are known for their failure to glorify God. We don't want to be like those who sink into their own corrupt and foolish speculations and their godless idolatry. So here's Stephen Davey to teach you more. Several years ago, the journal Scientific American ran a story, and they called it Scientists Probe Human Nature and Discover We Are Good After All. Well, I got to tell you, that's a message the average person today wants to believe, but the problem is deep in the heart of every person is this sense that they really aren't good, and they certainly aren't good enough. David Livingston, the famous missionary and explorer to Africa, wrote about 200 years ago that he had found primitive tribes. They were completely out of touch with each other and with civilization, uh, possessing no knowledge of scripture, any kind of civilized morality, And yet he found that they were still conscious of being sinners. Well, where did mankind get that sense of wrongdoing? And where did mankind get that sense of a divine being? Leith Samuel, a pastor and student of missions, put it this way. He said, there has never been discovered upon earth a tribe of people which has not believed in some kind of God or had some kind of system of worship. They know that sin is exists, they know that sin must be atoned for, and they seek ways of appeasing their gods. Well, you know, that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is recording for us here in Romans chapter 1. People are incurably religious. They know intuitively that there is guilt for sin, that there's a, there's a creator out there. But although mankind is incurably religious, mankind is also incurably rebellious, So all around the world today, there are people who would rather worship a tree or an eagle or an evil spirit than the one true creator, God. Now, today, as we sail back into this letter to the Roman believers, we're now at verse 21 of chapter 1, and Paul continues to reveal the guilt of humanity. He writes here, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God. Now, Paul is not saying here that everybody has a personal, life-changing, saving knowledge of God. What he's saying is that everybody knows about God. In other words, no matter where you go in the world, everyone has an intuitive awareness of the existence of a divine being and their own sinful hearts. That's what the Apostle Paul says here. In fact, uh, the first response of unbelievers toward this intuitive, inborn knowledge of a creator is this refusal— to give him glory or to honor him. To honor God uh, means to praise him for who he is. In fact, the word honor here translates the Greek word doxadzo. That gives us our word doxology. 
Well, you know, mankind ought to be singing the doxology around the world today. Praise to God. Your congregation might sing a version of it on Sunday. It goes something like, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. You know, unbelieving men and women ought to be singing that, but they refuse to give God glory. They, they don't want to sing the doxology to the Almighty Creator. But here's a, here's a question for all of us who believe in God today. How do we give glory to God? I mean, besides singing in church or uh, having private devotions, how do we worship God and thank him as our Creator? Well, I could list a number of ways. First and foremost would be to acknowledge Jesus Christ as the Lord and Master of your life. It would include confessing your sin daily. It would, it would include trusting him with the details of your life, good or bad, pleasant or painful. It would include praying for his will to be done in the lives of, of people you know. It, it could be serving the church in some physical, tangible way. It would be certainly respecting uh, the word of God, spending time listening to God speak through his word. It would include living a morally pure life. It would include introducing unbelievers to your Lord. It would include certainly thanking God for the ministry of, of other believers and other ministries around uh, the world today. Let me tell you, these, these are things an unbeliever cannot and will not do. They can't thank God for anything that I just rattled off, and they certainly aren't going to give him glory. Well, that's exactly what the, the Apostle Paul says here in, in verse 21. Although They knew God, you could write the little word about there, although they knew about God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. Let me tell you, unbelievers are simply ungrateful. Beloved, has it ever occurred to you that one of the key characteristics that distinguishes a believer from an unbeliever is, is the desire and the ability to say thank you to God and and really mean it. So just how distinctive is your life today? Do you register your complaints before God like some, you know, hotel patron who doesn't like the towels or the mattress or the food or the view out their hotel window? So they, you know, they demand to see the manager. Well, that's the world's attitude toward God as it relates to everything. Now, Paul describes another characteristic of the unbeliever as he writes here in verse 21. They became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. In other words, they reject the truth they know intuitively about the existence of God. And that's because they don't want a God to whom they are accountable. They don't want to give up their sins. So their solution is to, you know, kind of close the shades on their hearts. They're going to pull the curtains to block out the light of truth. The trouble is, they are now left to wander through a confusing maze of religious ideas and speculations that offer no hope and, and no real escape. I have personally stood in a Hindu temple in India, and, and I've read their directions for finding peace, and frankly, it's really nothing more than human effort. There isn't a God there that can save anybody. It's as hopeless as the wheel of life taught in that Buddhist monastery. 
They spin the wheel and hope that those prayers will ascend to their God. It's as confused as a some Protestant denomination today that announced some, you know, new hymns have been written, as I've heard recently, depicting God as a woman, as a divine mother. That's that's pretty confused. One author put it so well when he wrote, when truth is rejected, the ability to recognize truth is impaired. And it's only going to get more confusing for unbelievers, because in their rebellion against God, they they become trapped in the darkness of their speculations and their self-deceptions. In fact, here in verse 22, Paul describes it this way, claiming to be wise, they became fools. In other words, they're congratulating themselves on coming up with ways to avoid God and accountability for their sin. They're going to shower on one another awards and graduate degrees for coming up with some new, you know, some new theory of life and some new origin of the universe, apart from creator God. And the irony here is that they see themselves as wise. God sees them, Paul writes, as foolish. In fact, the Greek expression here, for they became fools, comes from the Greek word morino, which gives us our English word moron. Humanity is claiming to be all wise, and God says they're morons. Well, that isn't very flattering, is it? Well, now Paul gives us the evidence of their foolishness. He writes here in verse 23, They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Well, if people aren't going to worship God, the creator, and give glory to him, they're going to come up with substitute gods. It might be, you know, superheroes. It might be birds or beetles. It might be the sun, the moon. It might be stars. You say, well, people don't do that. Well, today, millions of people believe the universe dictates their well-being. They've made the universe divine. They've given it attributes of omniscience, knowledge. Uh, Listen, beloved, what, what they've done is they have chosen to embrace, to live in, to be bound to the darkness. When Jesus stepped out onto the darkened stage of world history, the Gospel of John described him in chapter 1 and verse 9 as the true light which gives light to everyone. In a sense, John is saying that God sent his son to earth to turn on the light. Well, let me tell you, the entire world today doesn't necessarily want that light. They don't want to sing doxologies to the creator God, but but they are singing some kind of doxology because they are singing praise to someone or something. So the question is not, do you believe? The question is, what do you believe? Or, or better yet, in whom do you believe? The Bible tells us that one day all who believe in Jesus Christ will sing a doxology of praise to our Creator and Redeemer. The lyrics are even given to us in God's Word. They go something like this, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. That's Revelation chapter 5, verse 13. So our lives today are really a rehearsal for that glorious day when we worship the Father and the Lamb face to face before the heavenly throne, when we we sing the doxology of praise to the glory and honor of God. So here's my recommendation. Let's, Let's today practice 
this kind of thankful attitude. Let, let's practice this perspective. Let's practice singing the doxology today. Well, until our next session together, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That was Stephen Davey and a lesson he called Refusing to Sing the Doxology. This is The Wisdom Journey. Stephen is taking you through the Bible on this teaching series. Stephen is the president of Wisdom International. You can learn more about us at wisdomonline.org. I encourage you to take advantage of a free membership in Friends of Wisdom. When you do, you're going to start receiving free resources from Stephen that will help you grow in your faith. To get started, fill out the brief form that you'll find at wisdomonline.org forward slash friends. That's wisdomonline.org forward slash friends. I'm Scott Wiley, and I thank you for listening. Join us next time to continue traveling along the wisdom journey.